The members of this program are all Master Masons and speak of Freemasonry based upon their personal experiences and studies. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not reflect that of any grand or subordinate lodges or the jurisdictions in which they operate. And welcome to Krypton. We're back in the studio again today. We've got Jeff and Anthony and myself. I'm Dan. And we're here. We're going to be talking about a topic here kind of along the line of uh, the series that we're kind of doing um, about secret societies and the uh, connotations of that and people that are uh, on that pathway of looking uh, for truth and are finding it in some odd places and finding it when they're not prepared for it. And uh, the consequences we talked about in our last podcast of people entering into this world of truth-seeking and not having the correct mindset for it. But we want to talk about there are some figures throughout history that have had major impacts in the esoteric, that have had major impact in the way people view the world and the way people view mystery, view truth, and how they approach it and the methodology in which they use to seek truth and to find truth, uh, no matter what it may be. And uh, I know these guys are excited about this topic. This is, I'm going to go ahead and say, I am the least versed on what you're about to hear, and I want you to know what you're about to hear. It may seem controversial. Uh, nothing we're talking about today is uh, or, or ordained or um, endorsed by Freemasonry right. in any way, but this is a, the kind of the open discussion. This is the, the joy of what Freemasonry is. We can ask any question. We can talk about any subject without fear without judgment, without condemnation, but we just want to know things. And in order to know, you've got to ask, yeah. you've got to seek, you have to search, you have to research and these kind of things. One of these figures we really want to concentrate on. And a lot of people know who this person is. This man has kind of made a resurgence kind of an, even in pop culture now, oh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> more so in the last even two, three years, handful of years, more so than he has maybe in the past 50 years. Yeah. Uh, he was about around the turn of the century. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, around the turn yeah. of the 19th, uh, excuse me, the 20th century. His name is Alistair Crowley. That's a lot of people yeah. have already heard that name. They're familiar with it, but maybe they're not really familiar uh, with who Alistair Crowley is right. and what he did. Um, so we want to delve into that today. This is a subject these guys are just <laughs> salivating over. And, I, and to be honest with you, I am extremely interested. I want to know more. This, it's, yeah. it's very fascinating. I love this period of history. There are so many people looking into spiritualism during this time oh, who are yeah, looking into yeah. the world was changing. I mean, we're pre-World uh, War I at this point, yeah. but there are major world wars. There are major world events happening all over during this tumultuous time from like the 1880s into the 1920s is a major period in history where we find some just massive world-changing events start to happen, and this figure enters in on the stage it could be argued that alistair crowley may have did something to invoke all of that and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you, and, and you may be able to say that so yeah. that's what we really want to kind of look into who was alistair crowley where did he come from uh what was he about and what was his purpose yeah. in, in in this this whole thing did he have any influence on it whatsoever or was it absolute happenstance but i think let's look at it i mean jeff who in the world was Aleister Crowley? Okay, let's um, let's just talk about some uh, well-known things and let's explain them. Aleister Crowley is probably most famous for being, and I would say this, being the father of the new age. Yeah. And um, you wouldn't have all this uh, Wicca and 
um, crystals and all this other stuff if it wasn't for Aleister Crowley. But Aleister Crowley was known in his time as the Master Therion. Yeah. And that translates to the Great Beast. Yes. And I want to <laughs> say that, you know, he does that to kind of be funny yeah. because uh, he was raised in a Christian home. <clears throat> And when his mother would punish him, she called him a little beast. Right. <laughs> and so as he grew older, he took that moniker on as kind of a, a snub right. to be, you know, the master theory on the great beast. Right. But who he was, was uh, he was an adventurer. He was a, he, he was a mountain climber. He was a traveler and he was a learner. Right. And ultimately what he wanted to do was he wanted to um, open the minds of everyone in the world right. mm -hmm. and his his chosen method was through um magic right and that's magic with a k and that's that's yeah, a big yeah. differential that trademarked no, no <laughs> okay. but you know that's a that's the big difference between you know prestidigitation of a of a, a showman right. and people who are practicing this solomonic magic right yeah because like magic with a c is you know a magician who pra you know pulls rabbits out of hats things yeah. right. like that. magic <clears throat> okay. with a k is rich i'm, I'm gonna step in here every time you you guys use a term that no one else knows i'm going to step in and ask you to define it so you said solomonic magic yeah yes that's magic based off of the works of the key of solomon the lesser key the lesser key the lamegaton and it forms a body of work to where there is a step-by-step -step method of how you can conjure um, beings, essentially, into existence. There's a, how many spirits is it again, Anthony? 72? Se 72, yeah. Yeah, and like, uh, it, I want to say it's understood that all these things are parts of the mind. But that, that's, that's the main uh, end goal is because Solomonic magic right. leads you to... Um, opening up this, this it's it's kind of a training in order to be able to make contact with something right. called your holy your holy guardian angel. Okay, so let me ask some dumb questions. These works you were talking about, did Alistair Crowley write them? If not, who did, and how old are these? Um, they're several hundred years old because um, I think they were they were uh, translating manuscripts. Him and Samuel Little McGrether Mathers. That was his friend who was in the Golden Dawn, something that was a precursor to the OTO and this big movement of the New Age. But they uh, they translated these from old manuscripts, so they did not write them, and the author is attributed to Solomon. It, it is said that Solomon right. has written it. But, you know, at the time that they were writing these works, they would have been a heretic. So they, 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 said, they, they said Solomon wrote it, so that whoever wrote it was not going to get in trouble to burn at the stake. So are we talking about manuscripts from what? Middle Ages? I'd say at least the 1400s. That they're translating from? Yeah. Okay. So Renaissance era. Yes. Somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah, during, right, you know, during the heart of the uh, the Catholic uh, Inquisition. Yes. A lot of the times, you know, and that's why they mm -hmm. kept them secret or had to give them, you know, right. pen names and attribute it to Solomon. Right, because if you're writing a black magic grimoire, yeah, you know, yeah. that'll... That'll, that's instant heresy oh, right yeah, there. Okay, absolutely. I don't know what any of that is, but that's good. <laughs> a book so, of spells. <laughs> okay, a book so, of spells, yeah. so this is how his his journey, be, I mean, he didn't start just sit up one day and say, I'm going to translate these hundreds-year-old documents and learn how to conjure 72 beings. What brought him to this point? I mean, were these things hidden? Was this a society he joined or something? Or 
I mean, these are legit questions. I'm not trying to lead a podcast here. I'm trying to figure no. this out. Uh, I think, honestly, and Anthony, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think he, he was interested in Freemasonry. Yes. And but you know uh, the Order of the Golden Dawn is what really kind of sparked his movement into this. Right. Um, the Order of the Golden Dawn is in fact it was created by a group of Masons, Mathers included. Yeah. And it was a bunch of legit Masons that were a part of something called the the Societas Rosicruciana in Anglia, which <laughs> means the Rosicrucians in England, right. and. They essentially took their rituals, which was at that time a Masonic body, started their own and focused on this kind of meditation magic. Yeah. And we can, uh, there's sex magic involved in that as well. Oh yeah. But yeah. you know, I want I want everybody to understand, sex magic is truly just it's it's implicating the fact that the sexual act itself is an act of creation and magic happens. You know, you know, people say magic mm-hmm. happens right. when you're in love. But right, the, the yeah. magical act point. is the creative act of the love. Is, is that kind of uh, the Rosicrucians in England? Is that where some of the mystique of Masonry and some of the rumors about Freemasonry come? Especially like, you know, I'm thinking about Dan Brown's book where they've got those kind of scenes of those underground Masonic type yeah. societies engaging in those kind of things that may be twisted in his book. But is that where a lot of these shadows of Rumors, rumorations about Freemasonry come from? I'd say so, yeah. Well, yeah, because if you think like... Uh, Public probably couldn't dif- differentiate between the two. Oh, no. Because yeah, we, we have that same body in America, and I'm not going to impress you with my pronunciation of the Latin. Do it. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an invitational body within Freemasonry that, you right. know, you don't know how to get in. They just find you, and they send you a letter. Mm. And then, right. you, you know, if you, you either accept or you don't. And then let's clarify, there's several bodies like that. I mean, there's the uh, AMD. Yeah, uh, uh, and I, the Allied Masonic Allied degrees. Masonic degrees. So, I mean, it's not like, when you say something like that, people automatically assume, well, these guys are just low-level Masons. They don't know anything. Right, yeah. So, you know. It's uh, not as fancy as it seems. Yeah. But, you know, at that time when they were doing it, you know, right. that's what could add a lot more mystique to it. I, I, I was going to say, I think that would probably have a lot to do with it. And, and, and that's the thing that we've talked about numerous times on this podcast is that Freemasonry allows you to be open and, and enough to search for things uh, that are outside of the norm in the box. Right. And so, uh, of course, anybody else who sees that, and of course they're being told that, you know, well, this witchcraft, it's Satanism, you know, don't dabble in that kind of stuff, it's evil, and and so naturally they're just going to assume that a, a person who may be a Mason who is looking into these kind of things is a Satanist or, you know, uh, practices witchcraft or some something right. like that. So, so it was, did, uh, you said he was interested in Freemasonry, did he become a Mason? He did, yes, yeah. but it was never a regular... And by regular, I mean uh, entities recognized by the United Grand Lodge of England. It was always a different group. Like his 33rd degree that Crowley had was not in in what we would say would be fraternal relations with us. Right. Clandestine. Yeah. yeah, it would be considered clandestine. Yeah, we would and Regular Masons would consider it clandestine. But it's essentially the same thing. Yes. Uh, same degree type work. Uh, so, you know, just a different name. Just, yeah. a, di- diff- <clears throat> just a different brand, essentially. Gotcha. So he kind of bursts on the scene, and he's involved in the Golden Dawn that that f- forms and shapes a lot of his thinking. Uh, where does he start? When does he start really having an influence, and how does he start having an influence? I mean, how does he come on? I think immediately with 
it, within the Golden Dawn. He because he, he, he was he it, rose was, very quickly. There was some problems uh, with him and McGregor Mathers. Uh, yeah, so go go for it, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, uh, that uh, there there were problems. There was a schism for control uh, within the Golden Dawn because it fizzled and and went away. Right. But like, here's a funny thing: like uh, what Aleister Crowley was doing when he was called by Mathers to come back to assist yeah. during the schism. Uh, Aleister Crowley at that time had bought Beleskin House. Beleskin is that famous house on Loch Ness, which Jimmy Page once owned. Right, yeah. But what yeah. he was doing there is he, he found it to be the perfect position to do the sacred magic of Abramel and the Mage, yeah. which is an extensive <laughs> six-month ritual, right. which is supposed to get you into contact with, as I mentioned before, the Holy Guardian Angel. Holy Guardian and Angel, he was yeah. in the middle of it. He had opened all these, all these doors, if you want to say, invoking all these spirits, and he leaves it all there. Right. Doesn't yeah. close it out. Yeah. You know, that's crazy because, uh, and I knew that he had purchased that property on Loch Ness, but the, 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 we were going to talk about this in a little while. Tulpa's, uh, the, the, the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> yeah. A lot of crazy stuff yeah. happening in, at Loch Ness. Yeah. So uh, you so. said he left all these doors open. What, what does that mean? I mean, is that by implications of that? I mean, from the standpoint of, you know, the magic. Yeah, from a, from a spiritual standpoint, if you're engaged in that and taking it seriously, it is considered to be extremely dangerous to not, you know, close it off. It's like, you know, it's if you leave the door open, there's no telling what might come in. Right. You know, because he's, he's asking for certain things to come in, but then, you know, he leaves it. So we're talking about like a door to the, what, spiritual world? Yes. Spiritual world? Spiritual or? world. Okay. Or mental world, whatever you want to call it. Was there a purpose in opening these doors? Yes, it was, he was trying to reach contact with his holy guardian angel. And the whole point of that is to really, it's to discover your true will, your true purpose, your higher self. It's to, so that you are no longer just an entity floating through existence. It's to know what your true destiny is. Yeah. Okay, what so uh, the, these two pivotal men who were basically leading or fighting for control of the Golden Dawn, what, what caused the schism between them? I think it was, from my recollection, it was a, um, I, I believe there was, there was uh, mistrust in the organization. Yeah. And so that caused them, people to say, you know, they, they were supposedly in, in contact with uh, secret chiefs or something to that effect, like right. people who are supposedly behind the scenes that are providing, you know, spiritual guidance to the organization. And, you know, they supposedly... They started. One started saying, "I have the link." I, this one said they had the link, oh, and then, you. and then supposedly, uh, one of the secret chiefs found out that they had access, and said they shouldn't, and that, that's why the whole thing just fell apart. A lot of infighting and a lot of yeah. bickering. And typical of what you see in um, churches, things like that. So, so yeah. was this pretty early in his life when this fell apart? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I'd say so. He was born in 1875, mm -hmm. I believe, 76 uh, maybe. Yeah, uh, and so, but that wasn't that wasn't the end of his influence. That was only oh, pretty much the beginning of his not. influence. Yeah, yeah that, that, was, was that, was that was the beginning. So where does he where does how does he springboard? I mean, a lot of people may not they, they may know the name, they may know some of the connotations, but what was his actual impact? I mean, what was? I think he ended up, and Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. He may have wrestled control of the Golden Dawn from Mathers. Uh, 
I can't remember right off the top of my head, but I don't. I don't think he was ever in charge of the Golden Dawn. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think he was very high up. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it could be. I know that he is the one. After all that went down, he is the one who felt like he had contact with the the secret chief. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because and, that, and then that, then if you want to talk about it, he went on to create the uh, Thalema, which essentially is his religious. Uh, order or, yes. or, or religion essentially so right and for those who don't know what thelema means it's just the greek word for will so it's right. about knowing your true will right yeah but so, uh go ahead Dan. so he started his own religion absolutely it's a it's a religion still in existence today really? there's there's at least a yeah. body in every state wow. and they're active and they 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 still uh you know they they still run people through their program uh they have a um, they have something called the gnostic mass yeah. Uh, regularly. I think it's once a month at each location. And that's what everybody's entitled to. You don't have to be a member of the religion. You can actually go there uh, to the Oasis. That's a, like the Oasis is like a, a lodge gotcha. or whatever. It's a local body, and they'll, they will perform the, the Gnostic Mass. And it's called mm-hmm. what again? Uh, the Gnostic Mass? No, the uh, oh, religion. Oh, the, the religion lama. is the Lama. Spell that. T H E L E M A. The Lama. The Lama. Okay. I've never heard of that. I have a degree in religion. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. That there's not a lot of people in it. I didn't. It's, yeah. Yeah. There's, it's very yeah, small. Yeah, but yeah. it is a recognized religion. But it's very small. Yeah. Gotcha. So his it, that was that was a little bit later on, was it not, in his life where he started that? It's yeah. what it's what came in. Six, yeah, thinking. when when he was uh, getting full 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 fledged in the OTO, the yeah. Ordo Templi Orientis. Okay, well let's get let's get into that. Okay, so he, we, we we've gone through Golden Dawn, it's it's gone. So it's OTO. Exp- explain that what it is. What was his involvement? When did he come into it? Well, that, see, that's where I have to refer to Jeff on that. Okay, there's a man named Theodore Rus, and he was starting an organization, a Masonic organization. What he was wanting to do. He was wanting to bring in all these different Masonic um, rituals under one moniker, the right. Ordo Templi Orientis. And what what ended up happening was he eventually Theodore Roos eventually turned it over to Crowley, and Crowley condensed it down because that that body did right. a did did contain Memphis and Miriam as a part of its other stuff, right. and he condensed it down, changed it, made it into what it is today, right. and that he used it as a vehicle for his uh, not only his religion and the Gnostic Mass, but also as an initiatic society, of right. you know the uh, a lot of degrees. I think yeah. they've they've got around uh, there's I think you can get up to. 10, 11, or 12, but 12 is like, you know, their grand master or whatever like that. Right. But, you know, it's it's a series of initiatic ceremonies such as Freemasonry. And at one point, they, they claimed to confer uh, Masonic privileges. But I think later on in Aleister Crowley's life, he he honestly desperately wanted to be regular, regularized as a regular Mason. Right, yeah. And he even made it to where no longer were any Masonic privileges given by any degree that you received in the OTO. And he did that so that there was no interference. Oh, okay. what, what does OTO stand for? Ordo Templi Orientis. Order, Order of Tem- Eastern Templars. Order of Eastern Templars. Okay. But he's, it's, not a, it's not a recognized Masonic body now. No, absolutely not. But uh, a Freemason can be a part of it. Without yeah. any sort of... Hmm. No, no problems. Because it's, it's a religion. And, 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 and uh, Lon Milo Duquette, somebody we often refer to on the show, he's 
Still part of it, Jeff? Yes, he is. Okay, so he's very he's high up. I think he's a deputy grandmaster of the United States. Yeah, he was a grandmaster at one time, was he not? I don't know. He may. Okay. I don't know. I think uh, he has been around a long time, and uh, the current grandmaster of that system, I think, Lawn knew him, but I think he's he's been the deputy for that guy for right. a long time. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we we've got. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with <laughs> half of this stuff. So I mean, what what he's made a he's obviously in the global conscience and even pop culture. How did he enter pop culture? I mean, how did he enter into the consciousness of of people? Well, I'll tell you this. uh, When he died, uh, I think 1948, I believe he died in 48. I'll double check. Yeah. um, He kind of disappeared from the consciousness for a little while. I mean, maybe except for people that knew him, you know, uh, some of the organizations that he had been a part of. But he kind of fell out of uh, the know, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think it was... Uh, what's the Beatle record? Sergeant Pepper's Magical Mystery Tour. Uh, oh, no, I can't remember that. Uh, it's it's one of the Beatles Beatle records where all of these faces appear as a kind of a a montage, uh, and and in in obscurity, one of the people just so happened to be Aleister Crowley. Uh, you know, you've got people like Gandhi uh, and, and right. other you know other famous people uh, on this album cover. And here it is, is just Aleister Crowley. Uh, and I think from that moment, uh, people s- really started doing research of who is this obscure guy? Yeah. And he looks kind of mysterious. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. That's, That's right. It. Yeah, That's Sergeant the Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. The, the, the Beatles. Well, 1967, maybe? That's Ooh, just a guess. I don't know. Yeah. Wow, May 26, 1967. Oh, wow, I was right. That's Good awesome. For it. Okay. And isn't that right at the time when there was another global awakening of the mind when you yes. know, there was a lot of uh, rebellion against uh, you know, conformity? Yep. Uh, that's, you know, that's civil rights was going on and yep. stuff like that. So. And, 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 and on that note, uh, we can go back to the time period that Aleister Crowley began uh, even prior to his birth a little bit, like Dan mentioned, uh, a great awakening spiritual movement you know, of, of spiritualists throughout the United States. Uh, and I think, uh, we're not going to tell you where we're at, we're at exactly, but near us, Chattanooga, Tennessee, had been had become a hub of these uh, spiritualists. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They even got a plaque, I believe, up on Lookout Mountain that talks about them hmm. a little bit, the spiritual movement. And so when that kind of, and, and that even, in, it, you know, went into Christianity, there was a, a spiritual movement within Christianity. That's where a lot of like charismatic Christians come from, Uh, you know, laying on of hands, talking in tongues, things like that. And then that kind of faded out for a while. And like Jeff said, during the, what you would call the hippie time, you know, the hippies, uh, there was a resurgence of this kind of, and it wasn't really necessarily a spiritual movement, but it was definitely based on something that Crowley had said that the whole of the law, you know, or, or do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And so they were rebelling against the, the, the powers that be, right. essentially. And yeah, and there's a, the, the other half of that, and it's important, and it's love is the law, love under will. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, and a lot of people don't really understand what the love part is. It's, right. it's, the, it's the true sense of the word. It's the selfless, constantly mm-hmm. kind, oft-forgiving love yeah. where we understand that, 
you know, it's a very individualistic, but you also understand that everybody else is an individual too. Right. And yeah. you, you know, the love is you love your, your brother, you love yourself, you love everyone. Yeah. And you know, why do you think they had the, the free love that was going I on? I think Austin so. Powers sums up yeah, the best yeah. individual liberty and personal yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I didn't expect a Austin Powers quote, in any of our podcasts. Uh, I, and I think a lot of the mystique, along with Aleister Crowley is, you know, we talked about um, his kind of impact and what he was, he was doing these, these, these rituals and things. He was opening these doors uh, that became not necessarily common knowledge, but was known. It, I don't think it was done in secret, but during his lifetime, if he was born in what, 1870s, yeah. he died in 1948. Yeah. I mean, think of everything that happened in the world during that time. I mean, you've got world war one, yep. Spanish influenza, You've got the stock market crash. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got World War II. Uh, I mean, everything major you can think of. I mean, even the war that happened in nineteen hundred. <laughs> well, that was the year after he died, wasn't it? Was it forty nine or forty seven? Might have been forty eight. If I'm not mistaken. Well, I think he died December of forty seven. So forty seven. Okay, so it's almost forty eight. Wait, if Roswell happened in December of 1947, I'm probably going to shut this off and go home. (laughs) Is that him being picked up or something? We mentioned Hellier a couple of months ago. We did a whole series about that. Uh, There was something about that whole thing with with Aleister Crowley. And and we're going to talk about it here in a minute. The the Praetor human that he ended up speaking with to dictate the Book of the Law. I think it was 1906 that 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 book was written. Mid nineteen forty seven, the Roswell incident happened. And then Crowley died when? I don't know. Look up when Crowley Crowley died. December first, nineteen forty seven. Gosh. Okay, Jesus. Okay, all right. <laughs> so he uh, left this earth um, yeah. in one way or the other. Uh, but I think that that leads a lot to his. I mean, he was obviously a powerful <laughs> figure. I mean, he was a big personality. He came from wealth. Correct? He did, yeah. yeah, he I had mean, ex- money. Kind of extreme wealth. Right. Not kind of a... And that's why he had so much time to do all of this. Stuff. He didn't come from a gated community. He came from a community owned by one family kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. He came from, you know, where houses had names, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> States and things like that. So he did have the resources in which to devote his entire time to this. Yeah, to study and travel. Yeah, and I think you said uh, the, the constant... I, maybe we didn't say this specifically, but the constant involvement in this, he had no other career. He had no other job. This was right. his, yeah. his life took a toll. You know, this constant use of, of this philosophy of magic and things like that. It, did it take, it took a psychological toll on him, did it not? Yeah, there was times like, you, uh, and I think Lon Milo Cat talks about it a little bit, sometimes that he was uh, melancholy, uh, depressed, yeah. things like that. Um, you know, I'm not real sure about the circumstances of his death. I think it was fairly normal. Yeah, it um, was. He he kind of he died poor. He had spent all his he money. He did. Yep. He he did die poor. Yeah. But I know uh, one of the things about him is his sense of humor, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's why he has been portrayed in such a negative light. And um, I'll, I'll get into a couple things. I mean. You know, he on one of his mountain climbing expeditions. You know, a couple of his guides died, and uh, mm-hmm. someone yeah. was reporting on the incident. And uh, there's something to the effect: there, there's claims that you ate your guide, <laughs> and he's his response is, "It's an affirmative that yes, I ate them." <laughs> and so, like you know, think yeah. of the time period. 
people are just going to read. He ate his guide yeah. on this mountain trip. So, you know. And I like, think shock and awe was kind of his forte when it came to comedy. Basically. Right. He liked right. to shock people. Yeah, and uh, he, would, he used sexual allegory to oh, say yeah. things like, you know, uh, child sacrifice was, um, yeah. he would talk about sacrificing yeah. children, but it was ultimately a, a, a joke about masturbation. Right, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, his sense of humor was his own worst enemy. Oh, that yeah. really endeared yeah. him, too. Oh, yeah, they loved Conservative him Conservative America then. at the time, too. They yeah. even think he was, not, not, I'm not saying he got brought to trial on some of it, but he was in courtroom uh, once, and then they had asked him about some of the things that he said, you know, and he was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he just, yeah. of course I did. Now, he spent his entire life in England, did he not? Did he come to the States? Yes, he did. Oh, yeah. yeah Mexico, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like, did, know, did he live in the United States, or did he just visit? I don't think he lived here. No, I think just visit. Yeah, yeah, he just was solely visited. based on But, he, you know, his adventures were often All lengthy expedi- expeditions. Well, you know? back then, yeah you, yeah. you didn't have much of a choice, did you? Right. There's no coming back real quick. Now, now one know. thing we'd like to say, you had mentioned he didn't really have a job, but... Uh, <clears throat> Some of the speculation, and I think it's true, is that he was he did work for the British intelligence. Yeah. Uh, I can't. Mi five. Mi six. Mi six. I always say Mi five. I don't know why I say that. Uh, Mi six. So he was supposedly a member of the the British. uh, Doing what? Spy type stuff. Spy stuff. Spy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, (laughs) uh, you know, it's crazy. during World War II, I think it was Winston Churchill and him had a conversation, and Crowley threw up the peace sign and said, "This is how you defeat the 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 Nazis." And it was some kind of a, uh, esoteric or or a magical uh, blocking of the sun deity that the Nazis wor- worshipped, or something like yeah, that. Supposedly, so yeah. the the peace sign, uh, you know, could often be attributed to Alistair oh, yeah. Crowley. The Nazis were in some weird. Oh yeah. oh yeah, they were in their own weird realm. <laughs> they had a whole another level. I mean, they, yeah, it was specific even of how they used the uh, the uh, symbol, the Nazi symbol, what we now call the Nazi symbol, which was a very ancient symbol. Yeah, yeah. Kind of perverted. I think they turned yes. it on a different side yes, or something they did, like yeah. that. Hindus yeah. Hindus still use that swastika or their their version of it. Uh, that was the word I was looking for. Thank yeah, you. Swastika. Yeah, but yeah, you know what? That's interesting that you said that was a very interesting weird time. Uh, that war is probably the most spiritual war that yeah. humans have ever engaged yeah. in because there was a lot of weird stuff going on yeah. at the time. No matter how weird you think the Nazis are, the truth is even weirder of what they were into. Yeah. I've yeah. I've been able to read a lot into that. It's 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 things that they don't teach in history books. No. You know, it's not your high school course on no. uh, on World War Two. It right. wasn't just a, a um you know, a people thirsty for power and land. Yeah. They had a religion. That drove them, that zealotry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about the danger of that too uh, in our last podcast. But uh, Crowley, I think, saw him saw himself in this era of massive spiritualism, mm-hmm. rejection of almost the traditional, and finding yeah. the new and new in the ancient. Yes. As the yeah. as the Nazis were, I think he found himself on on the other side, almost saying. Uh, you know, th- this is a spiritual power for good. Yes. Yeah. You know, this is a spiritual power to defeat. And yeah. I think I, I think he actually, I mean, you, you couldn't have spent your entire life not actually believing it. He did. Believe oh, yeah. It. I mean, he, I, believe, I, I believe Crowley didn't think it was just a philosophical no. exercise. Oh, no, 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 no. I believe he thought it was real. No. Magic, yeah. real access to the spiritual world. I mean, that's why he created a religion out of it. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, and I think probably, I mean, it's, it's hard to deny. It's not just, it can't just be happenstance. The amount of spiritual things that were happening uh, during that time. I mean, you can even look at in Christianity. Uh, some of the biggest, if you look at, uh, you know, the ministry, say, of Billy Sunday, um, even the Azusa Revival out in California, yeah. you're talking about... John Key Lake. Yeah, you're talking about massive spiritual reformations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And that's just in the United States. And that happened, swept all, all across. We see those kind of... And this is just me rumorating, but uh, you, you see these periods throughout history where there's almost like a crack in the spiritual world yeah. where it comes pouring through. Yeah. And you see these major impacts yeah. in, in people and in cultures all over. And it's usually, it's usually um, there's a, usually a run-up to these moments. Mm-hmm. There is major turmoil. There is major dis- unrest. There is major, uh, if not war, near war. Yeah. Uh, death on large levels all throughout the world. Um, and th- kind of stuff that, to be honest with you, we're kind of seeing right now. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, you know, I th- I'd have to say that if we were going to give credit to one person who may have initiated this, that entire spiritual movement that during that time, it'd be Madame Blavatsky uh, and her works because um, there was a lot of even famous people that were involved with her yeah, the the uh, theosophy movement yeah, in the United uh, States. I would consider her one of Crowley's contemporaries. You know, uh, absolutely, because he he references her some of her works and things yeah. like that. But you know, whether it was real or not, Crowley believed it was real. And I think we said it on a, on the last podcast. It is real. It may not be real, real, but it is to you. It has a real impact. It has a real yeah. impact. You know, you, the one that you can actually feel, yeah. and, and and sense, and 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 we we talked about Tulpa. Tulpa is a mystic, or tulpas are mystical uh, creations of your own mind um, <clears throat> from the Eastern uh, mythology or Eastern mysticism, essentially, is that you can literally create an entity with your mind. And, uh, you know, a lot of those type beings could be ghosts. I mean, you know, we've talked about Indrid Cold on this podcast mm-hmm. before, Mothman and Bigfoot. Uh, all of those, and even Loch Ness Monster, could be a tulpa, a creation. We never talked about Bigfoot, I don't know. I think we said we believe. Oh that. yeah, I think <laughs> briefly I, I confirmed to belief. Okay, yeah, big well, yeah, we believe in him. Well, let, let, let me ask a, a big question. Okay, let's assume. Let's play either devil's advocate or whatever the opposite of devil's advocate is. Um, <laughs> what if it's real? Didn't I mean, whole, didn't we have a whole podcast? On? <laughs> we did. Man, we had a series on what if it's all true. What if it's all well, true? Yeah. You know, what, what, if, what if it's real? Let's be, let's let's be specific to this. Okay. What if the magic of Aleister Crowley? What if it was real? Okay. How would that impact the world now? Uh, does it, it impact the world? I think it does. It does. Yeah. And let's 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 just go ahead and on this, and I'm, we're neither confirming nor denying, but let's go ahead and work under the assumption that it is real. Yeah. Um, if in the right hands, and practiced with care, this form of spirituality would most definitely benefit the world in a great way especially if you had multiple people who are capable of utilizing it for the betterment of mankind which is what it's ultimately for okay but but how well uh when you when you take these 
these parts of your psyche and you're changing yourself for the better. You ultimately reflect that out. And when people interact with you, that's spreading the positivity. But not only that, it's, it's if you think about like how, how Freemasonry is, we make ourselves better in order to improve the world around us as well. Right. Yeah. So it's the it's a similar process. It's not supposed to be a selfish endeavor where I'm I'm going to evoke such and such demon and he's going to bring me X amount of dollars. It's it's meant to be an improvement. And essentially that would be black magic, would it not? If you were if it's for self selfish motive. I'm not saying that, you know am I am I correct in that, Jeff? Because I'm not I'm not saying that like you know, getting money or getting a job by practicing magic is a, is a black magic, but there, there is some form of that when you start delving into extreme that, versions of selfishness. That, that's one uh, viewpoint of it, but I think um, uh, Thelema itself, with it being the will, it's the will of the person. If that right. person's will is to be evil, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think it's more of an indifferent philosophy rather than this is evil, this is not. Okay. So, so the magic. Did Crowley believe, or does this um, his his type of magic was it believed to be to endow power in the traditional way of how we look at magic or perceive magic, or was it merely a self improvement by improving myself? Therefore, I improve the world. Well, it's also, it, it can be selfish. It is meant, you know, like people are supposed to be able to use it. Like I said in our last podcast, it's a, it, it can be seen as a form of meditation in order to, you know, fix what you think's wrong in your life. Right. And there's, right. there's another concept in this, and it's part of the practice of it. Uh, magic is never to be used unless you have exhausted all avenues of yourself physically. Like you've done everything you're supposed to do. Like, and uh, to put it in a, uh, more specifically and uh, more understandable, you can't evoke a spirit to win the lottery if you don't buy a lottery ticket. Right, yeah. So right. that kind of concept. Yeah. Where, where human effort ends. Right. Magic, begins. magic makes up the Ooh, difference. I want to copyright that. Nobody used Say that. Say that again. I didn't hear it. <laughs> now I forgot it. Where human effort ends. Yes, where magic. human effort ends. Magic, magic, begins. magic begins. I like that. That's really cool. Can you make up some t-shirts? Put Absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to be giving out some t-shirts on our next <laughs> podcast. Listen up for those. Um, no, I mean, this is this is fascinating uh, to me because, you know, there, rarely do you, I mean, there's a lot of people that dedicate themselves fully to a religion. Mm-hmm. Very few people actually start one, but very yeah. few people actually dedicate themselves to what they consider an ancient and archaic and forgotten about magic now to me as a historian and a researcher and an analyst and a uh, you know a, a former religi- religiosity expert of some kind uh, that fascinates me because I yeah. want to keep pushing back so you know one of the things that started my uh, my what I call my true journey of faith was that moment you kind of realize you know uh, you know like when you're growing up as a kid you that first day you realize you know your parents aren't superheroes yeah do you know what i mean it's that yeah. first time you were it's the first day i realized not only was there something before christianity yeah there were thousands and thousands of years before christianity there was something that's when i started looking I'm, what happened before you know what came before and i think we see a lot of people now and I think Aleister Crowley was definitely one of those uh, who looked to the ancient to interpret today. 
you know, that said this is a forgotten knowledge. Oh, yeah, you're well, absolutely correct. Or a hidden that was purposely hidden or purposely forgotten yeah. uh, about, you know, to be able to, to search back so far to a forgotten time uh, and our people. Can I, can, because I, I'm not under the impression that we're evolving, to, to my sense. I think we have forgotten. Uh, like Graham Hancock's, Graham Hancock always says, we are a people with amnesia. Species, yeah, species. Species with amnesia. And I mean, over and over again. You know, what, what came before? Let me, let me say this about this real quick, and, and Jeff can confirm this for me as well. Where, whereas Manly P. Hall di- divided periods of time into ages, uh, Crowley, and I think, you know, they're 12, and it's going by the Zodiac, you know, Leo, Aries, and, and we were... You know, whether we're, we're in the age of Aquarius or not right now is a matter of debate. But prior to that, we were in the age of Pisces. Pisces is the fish. And what was the major religious worship of the time? And it's Christianity symbolized by a fish. Go back 2,000 years. We were in the age of Aries. A ram symbolizes the, the uh, sacrificing of rams and uh, lambs and sheep for, for sins. And before that, Taurus, the age of the bull, which is the worship of the sun god. Where Crowley divided it by three. There's not whether there's whether there's twelve ages of time. There are three aeons of time. Mm-hmm. The aeon is the aeon of Isis, the aeon of Osiris, and the current one that we're living in now is the aeon of Horus. Yes, Horus the child. It's right. the uh, and the it's the it's the dying god myth is what it is what he was kind of touching on yeah. because when when it's the aeon of uh, Osiris it's it's warlike father figures are the ones who are in charge uh, authoritarian rule when it's uh, when it's Isis feminine gods are in existence right. yeah. and when it's Horus it's and supposedly it is now that we're in the age of Horus according right. to the uh, uh, writings of Crowley and the religion of Thelema it's the the age of the child and right. I mean yeah. if I don't want to go too far with it but yeah. look, look at look at what pe- people complain about Millennials and whatnot because they, yeah. they they demand things they feel entitled mm-hmm. I mean look uh, look at the, the the civil unrest it's we're, we're, we want what we want and it's going to happen now right we right. don't take no for an answer anymore right so I mean that that you know think about how how a child behaves it's like it's mine now I want instant gratification yeah that's good so that's that's the that I kind of equate all this that you know I can see how this is the the aeon of Horus yeah the child yeah. well the, I think this is to me uh, this is barely scratching the surface so i don't know if these guys know this yet but this is going to be a beginning of a of a series for us and i think it would be great uh, to delve in uh, deeply into all the the subjects and topics we talked about yeah uh something that will satisfy everybody listening and everybody in this room Uh, i want to know the where and the what and the why you know i want to know what the documents were Uh, i want to know where they came from um i want to do a whole one on i want to look deeper into that i want to look about the implications of if magic was actually real, if what his magic was, was there other, are there other forms of magic um, that other people have promulgated? Are they separate? Are they part of a whole body? Is it really, is there an argument for the reality of it? Or is it really just a humanity trying to understand itself? Or can it be both? 
and, and those kind of things. So I really want us to really delve into these a little bit more deeply. And I think this has been fascinating for me because I've learned a lot about Aleister Crowley. I know those of you listening have probably learned a lot about a, a name that you may have heard in passing or may have interested you. I know he's in pop culture. I mean, you can look at the show Magicians. There's a character based on him that's yeah. a huge show right now. Um, you see it all throughout. Uh, I mean, I think the character is even called the Beast. It isn't really. Yeah. Wow. Uh, he is called the Beast. So, I mean, that, if that gives you kind of an idea, he is kind of demonized in that. But it, it yeah. is he's, <laughs> he has struck the imagination. Probably be okay with that. And 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 that's and that's what I'm saying. So this this may be a little bit uncomfortable for those of you listening. I mean, you know, we're talking about some. You know, a couple times your, your eyes may widen a little bit and you go, okay, all right. You know, uh, you know what I'm saying? That's good. Do that. Don't be ashamed of it. We're not ashamed of it. We have to ask. Even if it sounds and feels ridiculous to us at some point, we need to, we need to ask these kind of questions. We need to delve down to this. You had something you wanted? No, I was just going to uh, give a shout out to our good friends at Mysterious Brews. Uh, oh, okay. Shameless we plug. We were talking about something serious, Anthony? Okay, we got it. Now, well, if we're going to do shout-outs, this yeah. episode is actually sponsored by our new business friends and our yeah. partners, a Masonic-owned business yeah. called Arcus Gaming. Arcus. We want to do a shout-out to them and reach out to them on Twitter. And reach out to us as well on Twitter and Instagram. You can find them there as well. And if you like what you hear, you want to hear more, we've got a new studio. We're really being able to... Uh, reach a wider audience by doing that and having a centralized location a, a really a center for study uh, that we have here we are part of a, a library as well for our lodge that we want to uh, really make the center of masonic learning for anybody and everybody and right here and that this, that is this is just kind of an outpouring of our hearts and our purpose in freemasonry and why we became freemasons is to learn and to study and to research and to develop and to grow and search uh, for anything and everything that is light, that is truth, uh, wherever it may be, and no matter what we may do and have to do uh, to find it. We want to hear from you. We want to engage in, uh, with you, and we hope we've sparked something in your mind tonight. We hope that we have uh, really encouraged you to learn and to look deeper. If you if you were listening to this and you whipped out your phone and started Googling terms and started Googling Aleister Crowley, that's the, that's the starting point of learning that is the starting point of sparking something that can lead to answers and that's the whole reason we're here that's our whole purpose so we're going to start we're going to delve into these a little bit more deeply we're going to expand out you'll be hearing from us constantly and listen to us tell your friends about us share our posts we want to get out there as much as we possibly can we want as many people that fire of knowledge that fire of pursuit of knowledge to be lit as many people as humanly possible, especially in our world today, if anything can bring order from chaos, light into darkness, it is truth. It is the pursuit of truth, knowledge, rationality, and wisdom uh, that we believe that we are searching for now and that we have a path in which to do so and to make this world a better place uh, than when we found it. So join us again, and thank you for joining us tonight on Crypto. <laughs>